0: We're back to Neil Haley's show and also the Media Giant Effect. I'm excited to welcome to the program my co-host, Damon Cowboy347Harper. Damon, thanks for stopping by. I know you're excited about our guest just to hear about what they're doing it with the Easter Seals. And I'm excited about this conversation, aren't you, Damon? Oh, absolutely. I'm super excited to
1: meet you, Nick. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, as always, with my guy, the Media Giant.
0: Absolutely. So let's just jump into this our guest today is Nick Novicki, and we're going to talk about the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge. I was part of the fest years ago, uh, Nick, and uh, again, Nick Novicki's on the show, and Nick, appreciate it, man, and this has been a huge thing, right, to be part of this with the Easter Seals, right?
2: Yes. First of all, it is such an honor to be on your show. I'm a big fan uh, of you and, uh, and your show. And, you know, this is the 10th anniversary of the Easter Seals Disability Film Challenge. For those of you that are unfamiliar, it's a five day filmmaking competition where you need to have somebody with a disability in front of or behind the camera. Now, you make a film, and the films don't have to be about your disability, it's just including somebody with a disability. And this year's challenge is going to be March 28th to April 2nd. And the genre for this year is romance so we are incredibly excited
0: so in in this process how did this all start for you nick and how you got involved so
2: so for those of you that can't see me uh, i'm a little person so i'm three foot ten and my background is i'm a comedian and i'm an actor and i'm a producer and i've been very lucky in my career in that i've been in over 40 tv shows and movies i've got the chance to work with martin scorsese on Boardwalk Empire with the Farley brothers, and I've toured all over the world, including tours for the troops overseas. But the majority of my work was self-driven with me writing, producing, and creating my own content. Because let's face it, I'm three foot 10. So Hollywood wasn't coming to me. So I decided I'm gonna produce as much as I can on my own. And it paid off. I got all these opportunities. But 10 years ago, I looked around, and I said to myself, why aren't more people with disabilities creating their own content? Mm-hmm. It led to all these opportunities for me. So I created the Disability Film Challenge. And it started off small with a couple films that were created. And then right away, the industry took notice. And then it grew the next year. And then it kept growing. And then in 2017, I partnered with Easter Seals Southern California. Now, for those of you that are unaware, Easter Sales is the nation's largest disability services organization. I'm on the board of directors of Easter Sales, Southern California. And let me tell you what, it exploded. To date, we've had over five hundred films that have been created for the Easter Sales Disability Film Challenge. And this is people with disabilities taking their career in their own hands, making such unique films and and it's leading to jobs. That's the coolest part.
0: So Damian, you have a question so far for um
1: Nick that's that is absolutely phenomenal thank you so much for sharing that sweat equity that's that's admire I admire your work man um and and so on the in the midst of your journey where where have you where is the most um prevalent right self gratification in terms of you know joining with Eastern Sales after figuring out that you wanted to do more for the disability community?
2: Sure. The whole process, I got to say, has just been such an honor to work with so many talented actors, writers, directors, and and producers with disabilities and giving them the opportunity to take their career in their own hands and not just talk about what they want to do, but you have to actually be a part of the process. You can't just say, I want to be an actor. You have to act, you have to write, you have to produce. And because of that, we've been a resource. When the industry is looking for an actor with a disability and they say, hey, we we want a wheelchair user, or we want this type of actor, we're able to be a resource for that. And, And I want to share one, uh, quick story, you know, we have unbelievable mentors that are part of the film challenge. So Peter Farley, who's an Oscar winning director, he did Dumb and Dumber, he did Green Book. Um, I've had the honor to work with him as an actor. Yeah. Um, but he he came to, and he said, Nick, you know, I got this role for a little person actress, but do you know anybody? You know, it's a, it's a big role, but I, I don't know if you know anybody. Well, I was able to share 10 films that starred little people actresses. And ultimately, a major recurring role for two seasons went to a little person named Sophia Cheyenne, who was a theater actress that hadn't had her opportunity. All of a sudden, because being a part of the film challenge, she got her opportunity to be in a major role and film in Canada yeah. for two years. So That's these type of opportunities come. And, you know, the fact is, we are now sponsored by some of the largest entertainment studios the networks and fortune 500 companies this year we are sponsored by adobe comcast NBC universal dell technologies the hfpa imdb intel netflix paramount prime video sag sony pictures and warner brothers discovery so the fact is we have seen that the industry and the collective fortune 500 companies they want to include people with disabilities in front of and behind the camera and we've been so honored that we've been able to be a resource and and help bridge the gap and create those opportunities
0: See, and i think it's so powerful that your vision became this right and i think it, you're definitely a disabilities advocate for films that that get that more people with disabilities end up in films. And that's, a, that's such a big thing. I've interviewed some people that had that same vision and, and vision in some interviews in my podcast. I don't know if you saw them. I'll have to send you those links. It's again, I've interviewed so many people. It'll come to me after the interview's over, but really the my passion as a former teacher was again, fighting for autistic kids in the classroom that I was an educational advocate after I finished teaching and I represented families with IEPs to make sure that they get the right services. So the same thing has to happen in Hollywood and we're starting to see this. Wasn't it amazing in the Oscars, some of the things that have happened that finally your work has something to do with this potentially. You don't, maybe you don't think it is, but you're part of it. You're part of the story
2: you know it it's truly an honor i i always say too it's like a family you know the disability community um once people enter the film challenge chances are they enter year after year because it's it's the community that's involved as well so we become a resource for people and and we're there for the industry when when they're making a movie and they want to be inclusive and authentic and and cast authentically or having more representation behind the camera we're a resource. But on the flip side too, we're a resource for the disability community at large where we get to see ourselves represented authentically where films where they don't have to be about me being a little person. It could just be about me watching an episode of TV without my wife and she's mad about that, you know? (laughs) So there's so many different layers. And I think the fact that people are able to tell their own stories um, as, as people with disabilities, as the writer, or as a producer, you know, beyond being an actor, it really opens it up for a new dialogue and, and films that have never been seen before.
1: I love it. I, I love it, Nick. This is, um, this is purpose-driven work. Um, I, I have to ask you, man, uh, in, uh, along the way on this phenomenal journey, because I, I could see this, this self-gratification in your smile. Uh, what are like the 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 checkpoints that that affirms, right? That you're you're doing what you are you know what you love to do, what you meant to do, um, you know, in this trajectory of um, you know transcendence. Sure. Well,
2: first off, it's every year. Every one of the films. So last year we had a record-breaking 95 films that were created from all over the world based on our superhero genre. So the challenge itself is going to be from March 28th to April 2nd. Mm -hmm. Then on Saturday, April 8th, all of our films are going to air on our YouTube channel, our Facebook page, and our Instagram page. And You know, collectively, everyone's going to have an awareness campaign. So everybody's watching and liking and sharing the films. So each year, I mean, that is like such a powerful moment to see all of that disability representation that is put out there and that's people with disabilities at all different levels. So we've had first time actors, writers, directors and producers, and we've also had Emmy winners and Oscar winners take part in the film challenge. So it's been incredible. incredible. Yeah, it's been incredible to see all those those people really living out their dreams and, and being able to share their vision. So I would say that that would be every year. It's a new like touch point and a time where I'm almost kind of teared up when I see all those films. I'm just like, oh, my God, oh, right. I'm blown away.
0: <laughs> you know, it's so powerful what's happening. And see, that's the thing. Your vision has happened as as again, Cowboy was saying, your vision is here. You truly have a mission now acting as well. Tell us specifically what's your newest pro- latest projects, what's happening with you on that end acting wise i'm sure he's staying busy i'm sure this has also opened up doors for you because you become even more known in the disability community uh, with uh, in film even though you are known it's probably skyrocketed <laughs> you to be even more known with all these major brands and stuff what's new projects coming up for you
2: sure sure well as you said i mean it it has been incredible um you know that we have gotten so much support in the media um certainly i got to say being on your show is a huge uh, boost so First of all, thank you again for having me, uh, but you know, we've been, yes, we've been featured on CNN and Forbes, all these opportunities. And, you know, for me, you know, I've been acting and, and doing stand-up comedy for a long time. So, you know, I've had the opportunity to tour tour all over the world and it's, uh, my schedule has definitely been pretty busy. I have a, a very big project coming up that unfortunately I'm not able to announce I mean, yet yeah. uh, because of the, uh, I, I'm under an NDA, <laughs> which I know that sounds kind of Hollywood, uh, but uh, I I will have some exciting uh, news coming up uh, soon about a big project. I uh, also have a film coming up called Bittersweet, which was an independent film uh, where I play a lawyer. Uh, so again, it's a role that doesn't have to do with me being a little person. That's an independent film. Uh, and I'm touring all over the country as a comedian, uh, both by myself and with Nate Bargatze, um, so we're going all over the place. Are you and going so, to Dallas?
0: Are you going to be to Dallas? Are you going to Dallas?
2: Uh, you know, I was just in Austin for South by Southwest. Oh, uh, I, see, see, uh, yeah, I need it, to get media uh,
0: credentials for next South by, are you do go every year.
2: We, we <laughs> do. So it, it was, uh, it, it's an honor to, to be there. Um, you know, usually we launch the challenge from Sundance. So this year, uh, the Sundance film festival oh, wow. is where we launch. And, and then because South by is right at that amazing touch point, right before the challenge happens, I'm out there running around with flyers. I got hey, register for the 10th annual Easter Sales uh, disability. Yeah. <laughs> challenge. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So some amazing stuff. Oh man. Go ahead, cowboy. And a question you have for Nick before. Man,
2: and,
1: and, and that was a great question that you asked Neil, you, 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 you're staying busy. You know, you sure you're, I'm, I'm absolutely sure you're staying busy. So now it's like, Uh, I'm a cognitive therapist. So in terms of like, you know, taking time away till I recharge, man, how how are you creating time for your for your for your mental capacity or your wherewithal?
2: (laughs) You know, that's a great question. Uh, To be honest, I mean, this is such a passion for me. I go to bed thinking about it and I wake up thinking about it. And when I'm on sets, I'm thinking about it and I'm responding. And I I love it so much. And I love to see that it's it's something wow. where every week we have new exciting updates. If you go to disabilityfilmchallenge.com, uh, we have a success story tab. And uh, we have unbelievable success stories, including a couple which I could share. Um, but I I look at this as something that, you know, it, it's something I'm so passionate about that I... I yeah. You know even though it, it is a, a lot of work it's right. something that i i love to see and i have such a relationship with with so many of these film challenge participants but it is important to take time so uh myself i love to swim i'm a snorkeler uh, so <laughs> sometimes I like to just get in the the pool and put my snorkel on, and I know that sounds crazy, but I do snorkel with inside pools. <laughs> no, so Nick, you are coming.
0: You're coming uh, to Dallas ever? Let me know next year in Austin. We'll have to hook up. I mean, we're not too far from each other. You definitely need to connect. The media giant, I media. would
2: love that, and yeah. I'll tell you so, what, there's nobody who loves barbecue more than me. Uh, shout out <laughs> to Sonny Bryan's in Dallas, great barbecue there. Uh, I'm a Giants fan, so I just don't want anyone. In oh, yes,
0: yeah. so, so I'm a Pittsburgh guy, so I'm a Steeler guy, so I just relocated Dallas. I'm trying to pull the Mark Cuban, right? Mark didn't blow
3: <laughs> Dallas, yeah. right?
0: he had to leave Pittsburgh to, to become the star. I'll I have to look at all those journeys of pittsburghers right that you would never know are pittsburghers that made it in hollywood later right or Absolutely. or something for sure so it's great i stuff. love pittsburgh yeah Oh, right, so you probably tour in pittsburgh probably your head so where your touring schedule website real quick for that where can people go for that so the
2: best way to follow me is at nick novicki so n-i-c-n-o-v-i-c-k-i you could learn information about the film challenge if you go to disabilityfilmchallenge.com or at disabilityfilmchallenge. And that's also searchable through my social. Uh, I'm very active on Instagram, Twitter. Um, so follow me. Uh, there's there's new exciting announcements coming all the time in, in my journey, but uh, most importantly, in the journey of the I'm film glad- challenge.
0: Yeah, and, and you have my email now. So what are you going to do, Nick? When you have another project, who are you going to contact? Me. I, you know, come back.
2: I, it would be an honor to get on here. <laughs> All right, thanks. Today.
0: Appreciate it. number twelve celebrity podcast in the world according to Feedspot. I don't know if you googled me, Nick, and and saw. I but I, uh, hey, we are going to do some project together. Trust me, I'm working with a lot of different foundations, different things. We'll stay in touch. Thank you again for coming on. And Cowboy347, people follow him as well, Damon Harper. Appreciate you guys. And you're listening and watching the Neil Haley Show. And we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley Show and also the media giant effect. I'm excited to first to welcome my co-host, Damon Cowboy347 Harper. How are you, man? I'm excited about our guest. And it's because, again, he's bringing, he's giving back. He's bringing such an amazing story Again, so I'm excited about uh, our guest. aren't you, Damon?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I definitely. I'm excited to hear the sweat equity on this side, man. Uh, it's phenomenal testimony. That let, let's get it. Let's get it kicking
0: off. All right. So our guest is Shundran Thomas, who's the president and CEO of Northern Trust Asset Management until early this year, where he he made headlines in September 2022. He announced to launch his new private investing firm, the Copia Group. How are you, Chandran? That's a challenge, right? You you, you really got out of your comfort zone to say, I'm gonna do something different. I'm going to walk away from something because you had some reason that you wanted to do it. So tell us what made you do this.
4: Sure, well, first of all, Neil, thank you, uh, both you and Damon. It's a pleasure to be here with you both. And I think it comes down to one word. If I cut right to the chase, it's purpose. Uh, You know, I've been tremendously blessed to have a career over nearly three decades that spanned in a business that I love within financial services. And I had the privilege of leading a global asset management firm, sitting on the management group of a public company. But the reality is for me, ultimately it's about what we give and what we leave. And over the course of that time, I came into contact with a number of things that really suggested to me there is an opportunity um, to take the things that I've learned over time and to focus them in a very specific way to not only drive great returns from investors, but very importantly, uh, to bring about, you know, positive, measurable and meaningful social impact or change. And so that's what the Copia Group is really all about.
0: Wow. And, and, and it's kind of taking that chance in a way, right? Going right. out of your comfort zone and saying, I'm going to do something different. You saw a huge need, right? by going towards this yeah mm.
4: yeah it's on it's on a couple of levels so first of all the copia group uh we're uh, as you said a private investing fund and what that firm and what that means is we're investing in either the debt or the equity of privately held u.s companies right and the need that we saw is on a couple of levels the first thing that i would share with you is copia literally the word is the latin word uh, that means abundance or plenty it might sound familiar wow. because it's the root of the word cornucopia. All and right. so if you it's so, all right. And so if you think about our first focus, it's on what we call the lower middle market, Neil. And those are companies, think about companies maybe in the range of 5 to 100 million in revenues. They're established, but they're just hitting that phase when they can really scale and grow. And the short answer is what we see increasingly is these companies have less and less access to capital. Right. The second thing that we saw is you've probably heard of terms like impact investing. Some people talk about sustainable investing. Uh, Suffice it to say, in my time at Northern Trust, it was a clear focus for me. It was one of our top strategic priorities. But I saw this opportunity in the private equity or the private investing space to really drive impact investing, which is an affirmative approach that says we're not just going to go about driving competitive investment returns. We do that but we're also gonna see how can we drive measurable and meaningful social impact. And so we have a proprietary way of doing that. The last opportunity, Neil, is we believe in economic inclusion. We believe when you actually open the aperture, everybody benefits. And so one of the things that we're committed to, and this is uh, more distinctive, you have some firms that are focusing along these lines, but 50% or more of our portfolio investments, we're making in companies that are owned and are led by ethnically diverse individuals and are women.
1: Oh, wow. That, that's amazing. Uh, uh, you might have to ask a question. There's, there's this thing where, you know, information is transformational and, you know, when you have impact, you have influence and then there's, there's income. So you transitioning and creating this, this vision, right? What where, where, where did you see like that, that, Oh, the affirming moment where, okay, I'm going to be okay. Being uncomfortable building this. <laughs>
4: Well, one of the things I would say is, I mean, I've sort of spent my life that way. So uh, for me, um, I have had an experience where over the course of my career, I've worked for some great firms, right, Um, that you would know and that are known well. But I've also done things like I've written books. I've written four books. I've started my own business. I like to tell people, you know, I've learned how to lose money with the best of them, right? (laughs) Um, In the context of the corporation that I worked in, I was able to start several initiatives uh, and so literally be employee number one. And so over the course of my career and my life, I've always had a certain kind of calling to pursue new initiatives or build things or do new things. So really in that respect, Damon, that's not new to me. What's new is stepping apart, say from a large organization and saying, we're gonna build this from a ground up. But again, uh, as they say, nothing venture, nothing gain. Um, I think when you get to the point where your emphasis is beyond your own personal satisfaction or welfare, a whole nother set of opportunities opens up in terms of how you can use not only the skills that you have in, the, in the, whatever assets you've been able to develop, but also your relationships, uh, because we know that, you know, the social side of things is so important.
0: See, that social side's powerful and it's so important. So, like kind of explain because some people will be hearing this saying, oh this all sounds great, right but what does this mean for a business? how does this so, work? how do you yeah. How what is your because this is what I do is I see so many companies and this is my take on interviewing so many businesses entrepreneurs and everything they tell us something in it seems I understand it, but for most of the public they don't so what is that secret sauce if they're if people are okay interested in working with you.
4: All right, so one of the things that we we have done, so um, Sustainalytics, which is owned by Morningstar, so Morningstar Sustainalytics is a global leader in the uh, area of uh, measurement uh, around sustainability, around ESG, around impact, right? What we did is we partnered with them and we came up with a framework. And so the framework, uh, Neil, has five themes, right? The first theme is diversity, equity, inclusion. We have among our themes equal opportunities. We have among our themes workforce development, health and wellness, and quality education. So the way that you can think about it is we not only identify companies that have great uh, prospects in terms of their strategy and the kinds of things that they're doing to produce financial returns. So we're not trading away returns. I want to be very clear on that, Neil. But we also find the opportunity to say, how might these companies along one or more of those themes, just one in particular, be able to drive impact. We help come along those with those mission-oriented companies and identify those, come up with clear goals and objectives, and we translate those into what we would refer to as key performance indicators. So the way that you can think of it, Neil, if you were investing in, our, in one of our uh, strategies, we would not only be able to report back to you the return on investment, but think of us reporting to you the return on impact over time. So you're able to see in what people might refer to is that double bottom line impact.
0: Okay. So, and so I'm going to go with another follow up, Damon, and I'll let you ask the next question. I'm going to go more of the, so is it okay. basically you create funds with these businesses in them for people to invest? How's that kind of work in a way? So,
4: so. So so what, what we can actually deliver um, our investment value proposition in a variety of ways. And so if you think of firms like ours, like we can't front run and say like what all the products are, but what I can tell you is the way that they would be delivered are A, you can have a fund uh, where people could prospectively invest in. B, you could have what you might refer to as a separately managed account. So say there was a large institutional uh, uh, asset owner like a pension plan and they wanted to work with us they could establish an account and say we want investments to go along this side So usually it's either through some sort of kind of structured vehicle could be a fund could be other kinds of structures or it could be a segregated or separately managed account
1: okay, mm-hmm.
0: okay. good. Damon.
1: Uh, yeah uh, so now with with the the data and research right um, looking at like the practicality, right of your production how are you correlating this the, well in terms of like the social impact like right. intellectually how are you incorporating that with with your work uh because yeah. this is this is huge this yeah right
4: yeah so one of the things is interesting because I, i'm glad you asked that question because it's one of these areas that's evolving but one of our risk is you can let you know perfect be the enemy of good so, so what we do, um, to be very frank, um, you know, we don't necessarily know a priori seven year, several years out how much we're going to be able to drive in working alongside a company. But what we can't know up front is the level of commitment that a company has by virtue of their mission and their values. We can see the opportunity set and we can put clear and transparent frameworks in place whereby where we can measure it. Now, here's what I I would say, if you could appreciate if you say this, Damien. We know what more good looks like when we see it. And right. the most important thing that we do is we not only transparently tell investors who are working with us what we're doing, what those portfolio companies are doing, but this is important. We hold ourselves accountable to it. So we're transparent about our own hiring standards, how much diversity we have among our leadership team and with our within our, our ranks. What we're going to be doing in our own reports is talking about what we do in terms of what wow. vendors that we work in, those kind of things. And so impact is not just about the companies that we invest in or with. Impact is also about the standard that we hold ourselves to in terms of the firm that we have the privilege to steward. Oh, that's wow. Thank you. For that
0: great stuff thank you for that. so uh, you're basically b2b and b2c in a way right b2b yeah. where the businesses you're identifying creating those reports it's almost like putting together funds where you're not going to tell what businesses are involved in this i don't know and you're seeing that if they hit they check all the boxes because you'd only want to be involved with companies that are hitting those areas of which makes it then you have consumers that will invest in those funds or different things, right? So you're B2B and B2C, am I correct? In a kind of a- You
4: you can think of it that way, the way that you can think of it. So to be fair, if you think about um, private equity and or broadly speaking, private investing, um, there are certain regulations around it. Um, The way that it generally goes, if you have certain products that are considered say private placements, that means that only accredited investors can invest in that. So in simple terms, what that means is your typical investor in our fund uh, or our products, the kinds of investors that we would talk to would either be a institutional asset owners, again, foundations, endowments, pensions, corporations, the like, but also it could be high net worth individuals or families who meet those requirements. And again, this is from a regulatory construct. So it tends to be the case when you look at uh, this type of investing, when you're investing in private companies, it's not something that you would see uh, uh, in terms of like smaller retail clients given the regulatory framework around it to protect those clients okay
0: damon yeah that's what so like this is such great information uh damon the thing that i think he's that he's hitting every area that's giving back and yet still creating something that is wealth transferable that everyone can be well. That's the great thing. Why can't people look at not just benefiting the rich, but well benefiting everyone and also benefiting the way society needs to become, right, Damon?
1: Yeah. I, I got I'm I got chills just thinking about the, the passion work because there's um there's protection in the in the articulation of the architecture. I love it. I, yeah. I am I am blown away.
4: Yeah, one of the things, if I could add to it, um, because uh, really, Neil, your, your comment brings this out so much. We talk about many times, quote unquote, a trickle down effect, uh, wealth effect, but the practical reality is that's not true. And so the way that you create more wealth, in a sense, um, if you want to really impact the, the, the whole of society is you have to create more inclusion. And so when we're able to provide opportunities to invest in and with, like we said, these lower middle market companies who have less access to capital on a relative basis, or if we're able to invest in wonderfully talented women entrepreneurs or ethnically diverse entrepreneurs, it's not just about what happens for them and their companies and scaling and growing, it's the communities they're connected to, it's the charities that they give to, it's the people that they employ. And so we're growing equity. And the way that you, the single biggest way that you counteract wealth inequality is by having ownership or equity interest and that's ultimately one of the things that we're seeking to create.
1: Oh, that's powerful. There's this quote by Sadhguru when it comes to human flourishing that uh you you can't be afraid of inclusion. Inclusiveness is the paramount characteristic of human flourishing. Love it.
0: There's such, there's such great information. So I like what makes me excited about it is the fact you're creating something. So you are an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs create something out of nothing. You created something out of nothing in the way you've framed this and went and did this. And you're doing something that you're right about the trickle down effect. If you're just giving tax cuts to the rich but the rich are not giving back by employing people who are the right people, meaning so that there's a diversity inclusion all the different aspects, education, growth, being able to move up the ladder in the corporate ladder or whatever, then it's worthless. But if you're a business that is trying to transform society, that's entrepreneurship. If you didn't know the definition of entrepreneurship, you have to be able to transform. You have to be transformative. You are. Right, I'd cool. love to be transformative. You are transformative because you're doing something, creating something out of nothing and transforming. So it's such a huge story. What do you think is the biggest challenge to get the word out? What would you say for yourself?
4: You know, um, so that I would say the single biggest challenge in something like this, now it's true for um, almost any type of firm like this, it's getting out of start. Because in order for us to do all the wonderful things that we seek to do, we have to raise the capital to invest. And so um, needless to say that there are any variety of structural impediments um, to getting access to the capital um, that often sort of flows the same way for many decades and generations. So so, uh, for us, um, there's no shortage of people that we run into that have deep uh, excitement or belief and passion about what we're doing. There's no shortage of talented people for us to work with or employ or bring to, to the business. Um, so again, it's really getting um, access to those people who steward capital and allocate that capital, so we can make the vision and mission that we have a reality.
0: Wow. All right. Well. Okay. Damon, last question. Yeah how how do you, how does the um, the demographic that you, you
1: cater to man how do they how do you connect with them involuntarily? voluntarily how do how does it how do you guys connect.
4: Yeah. Um, So, you know, there's that's a it's a great question, but there is no single answer to it because um, this is one of those things where it truly takes a vision uh, and it also takes a village. Right. So whereas we have a vision, the way that we connect is by sharing that vision, broad and wide. And I think no matter how much you plan, you can't think you're so smart. There's just an instance of grace that befalls any great successful endeavor Um, that as you're able to, it could even be vehicles like this. You never know who you become connected to. So it's clear the buckets of kind of people that we need to connect with. We need to connect with people who are allocators of capital to have capital invest. We have to connect with business owners um, to partner with them, to invest in and with them. We have to uh, partner with other people who maybe invest, who would invest alongside us. So there's all of these different, in a sense, communities. Um, but ultimately, I think it ties to a lot of what you were saying earlier. It's it's mission that pulls us together. Mm. And so to the extent you can articulate that, you can share that, you can put yourself in places where you can connect with similarly purpose and minded people who share those values, that's mm. when the sort of the magic happens. Oh, I
0: Totally. And so let me give you an example. <laughs> Every business has to have a mission vision. This is something that Marie Forleo talks about. You cannot just have a business. You have to have a mission as well. So for example, mine is to stop cyberbullying with kids and help kids, and that's mine, working with organizations foundationally that way. So every business has to have a mission. Yours is mission-based with profit as well. So it's a very... It's something creative and, and innovative. Where can people find information? So, so, so they want to yep. say, especially if they're like, I don't want to invest in things that <laughs> I, I don't believe in. I don't want to invest in things that are, are the not mission driven, but I still want to invest. I still want to make money, right. but I still right. want to also give back at the same time in so many ways.
4: Yep. So, um so uh, it's easy. So the first thing is definitely connect with us online. So, uh. We're the Copia Group. So if you go to copiagroupllc.com, uh, you can connect and find tons of information uh, about us there. And let's also connect with us there. Um, I would say we tend towards uh, connecting more through business channels. So um, the most typical place we are from a social standpoint is on LinkedIn. Totally. So you can also join us on LinkedIn uh, with the COVID group. We, we, we're we getting increasing followers every day. And so I would say those are the two primary ways. The last thing I would say, you know, I've got a great team of folks. Uh, my founding partner is a gentleman, Anthony Hoy. Um, there's one benefit I'll leave you with, Neil, that I have. Uh, when your name is Shundron, I'm the only one I know. Um, so I'm about one of the easiest people to find if people <laughs> are looking for me, whether it's through LinkedIn or Instagram. Probably if you pull up Shundron Thomas, about 999 uh, Connect with me on LinkedIn percent. as
0: well, so we're gonna definitely stay <laughs> yeah. on LinkedIn. I'm trying to create the same social media strategy I'm doing with the media giant on Facebook with LinkedIn because I said, you know what, I can't niche down. I know everyone. So I'm just going to share everybody's content to my 20,000 connections. And then LinkedIn will reward me, which is the craziest thing. Do the same strategy I did on Facebook group. I just haven't had the time. This weekend, I am. So definitely, we're going to definitely connect. It's such great information, and I appreciate you stopping by. And again, Damon, awesome, great conversation. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you both. You're listening and watching The Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're back to the Neil Haley Show and also The Media Giant Effect. I'm first excited to welcome to the program my co-host, Damon, Cowboy347Harper. Damon, how are you? I know you're excited about our guest. This is going to be great for small businesses to know and businesses in general to know there's still money available. So I'm excited about our guest today.
1: Absolutely. I'm super excited to meet you, Josh. Um, i'm super super ready to retain the information that you're willing to throw today man
0: all right so we're excited to welcome the program again josh fox of bottom line concepts josh thanks for stopping by man and you know when you think about specifically enough this journey people aren't educated to know there's still money available from for for covid they thought it's over there's no opportunity i only had that one year to do it right josh
5: No, a lot of the rules have changed. A lot of the laws have changed. We've had multiple presidents now, and it's absolutely confusing. But that's why we exist, and we make this process very simple for American business owners.
0: Absolutely. So let's kind of. We've already
5: delivered over five billion dollars.
0: Wow. Awesome. Uh, You're you're cutting out slowly. On your, your, I'll, I'll edit that out. So, Josh, basically. Quickly tell us specifically what your comp- company does and what, what 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 you do with it, okay? Well,
5: we've been in the tax recovery space for 14 years. So we used to help Fortune 1000 companies recover money from the federal government and the state governments. And once ERC was really launched in 2021, when it became available to businesses that had previously applied for the PPP loans, that was the major change, guys. Like when people got their PPP money in 2020, the law was that you couldn't get your ERC money, and they realized that COVID lasted so much longer, and they wanted to give American business owners the opportunity to do both programs.
0: Okay, that's 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 huge. God, Damon, if you have a question for him, um, so.
1: In the midst of that and uh, seeing the, the work that you're doing now, what captivated you to um, you know make that cause right a, a career type of awareness type thing?
5: Well, America's built on small business. America's built on entrepreneurship. And we realized how many businesses were struggling during the pandemic to survive. And so many businesses were filing bankruptcy. So many businesses were firing their employees. Mm-hmm we wanted to lead the space and come in and help and rescue these small businesses that's what america's all about that's right, right.
0: no that's so true and so what did you see people that got the ppp then think that there the opportunity is available so who is can qualify for this right now
5: any business that had less than 500 full-time employees in 2019 so there is a restriction in terms of the size of the company that's very important And who had one of two things happen to their business. They either had a revenue decline, a substantial revenue decline due to COVID. They would Mm -hmm. automatically qualify. For example, if they had a 20% drop in their revenue from 21 to 19, that's an automatic qualifier if your revenue dropped. Wow. But Even if your revenue didn't drop, they changed the rules there also. And the second way to qualify is to have a business whose operations changed. So think about some of the industries in our country, like think about restaurants. They were forced to go from dining inside to dining outside. They were forced to go from dining inside to delivery models. Like think about how many industries, you had private schools that educated our children that were forced to send their kids to go learn from home at Zoom. What industries had pivots and changes to their operations that really weren't their choice, but they were really done by executive government orders that were in place either on a federal level, a state level, and or a local level.
0: Wow, so that's a, such a powerful thing that's happened to, to know that that's available. And you're right, everyone pretty much dealt, has dealt with it in so many ways. Now, Damon, you have a brick and mortar business and all that stuff. Were you an agent at that time in 2019?
1: I wish I would, I was just about to say I wish I was uh, more aware of the, uh, the these ingredients because, man, uh, I was going through a lot of transitioning during the pandemic where I met a lot that the height of my success during the pandemic. But this could have been really substantial, man, to really exponential linear growth if I had uh, attained this information at that time.
5: Well, the government's giving a long runway for businesses to still uh, submit. So if you're looking to amend your 2020 year for a refund, you have until April of 2024. Mm -hmm. And if you're looking to amend your 2021 payroll tax filing, you have until April of 2025. So the government's Mm -hmm. obviously giving a significant opportunity of time and runway looking for small businesses to come and claim their ERC money.
0: How much? How many more employees? You said under five hundred. What's the limit for the number of employees? How many max? Uh,
5: Five minimum five. five, Okay. And maximum five hundred full-time employees in twenty nineteen. But remember, that's full-time. So, like for example, we had done a gentleman who owned a bunch of car washes, and he had like eight hundred employees, but a lot of those employees were part-timers. So he was able to get under the 500 limit and we got this gentleman for car washes, $7 million. Oh,
1: wow. And he didn't even know that he was probably gonna walk into that.
5: You know, we also have a lot of people that we've met who owe the government money. There's a lot of people that are in a bad place. Like they owe the government back income taxes. They owe the government back taxes and they're in a bad place. And we've rescued a lot of these companies. Like we had Mm. one couple they owned a staffing company and they were back three and a half million dollars in their income taxes. I mean, they were not in a good place. We got them a refund check for twenty four million dollars.
1: Right, right.
5: Wow. IRS clawed back the three and a half million and they netted out that money. I mean, think about the place that we took these people from to where they got to by working with us on this ERC opportunity.
0: No, we d- you definitely did. And you're educating people. How How many people still don't know this? know about this josh i mean it, the, the process of getting the word out you know coming on my show i had someone call cold called me tell me about it. i, said, I didn't have any employees uh, at that time especially when i was just individual by myself but wow there's so many how many businesses out there still don't you think know about this
5: most so there's about 10 million american businesses wow. that should be eligible for this thing i mean we're hearing maybe 20 or 25 percent of american businesses have even applied for this thing And the reason they're not applying is either, number one, they absolutely don't even know about it, which is so much out there. Number two, they've been given bad advice by lawyers and CPAs that they don't qualify, so they forgot about it because someone told them they didn't qualify. Or a lot of times we meet people that don't realize that they've only applied for a small amount of money and don't realize the opportunity is so much bigger, like they got a hundred grand and don't realize they're actually entitled to two million dollars.
0: Process. Wow. Yeah. That's
1: uh man where, where can where can uh individuals go and access this phenomenal information Josh to uh to see if they can 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 qualify.
5: So we created a website specifically for our ERC division which is governmentaid.com. It is a phenomenal URL. It's so easy. It's so simple. governmentaid.com. You can go on there, you can book an appointment with one of our advisors, we can teach you about the program, see if you're qualified and help you get the refund. Like We are providing a white glove service, guys, where every single customer gets to set up a 30-minute consultation with one of our experts. We walk them through the program, we hold their hand, and we get them all submitted. The clients, the lives that we've changed are just incredible. The letters that we get, the emails that we get, thanking us for bringing this to their attention and changing their lives with this refund.
0: What do you think is the biggest challenge of getting the word out to as many people as possible? And you said that so many people are limited in education to find you to find out what you're doing.
5: You know, when we had PPP, guys, there was a clear, clear direction from the federal government that all you had to do was call your local bank and they would provide you with a PPP loan. But when they changed the laws and allow companies to do both program, there was no clear direction on how to go about getting this. The banks don't do it. You know, most CFOs are not, eligible. you know, not educated enough to do this for their companies. No business mm. owner knows how to do this. They're too busy growing their business. So right. there was such a void in our country of where to go to get this done. And, you know, we recently partnered with Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank. Kevin is a dear, dear friend of mine. And we had done Kevin's Shark Tank companies. And he called me up and said, Josh, I didn't even know about this thing before. You oh, Wow. It, And now he's all over the media and social media and TV and radio and talk shows partnered with us at Bottom Line under his company Wonder Trust, educating the American people on this thing. I mean, Kevin has helped us educate, I mean, literally millions of American people about this thing. He is a beloved financial person in the media that people really understand and trust him. And we're so happy to have Kevin on our team.
0: Well, I, I, that's amazing. And it's just those opportunities, right? You never probably, you could pinch yourself, Josh, to say the people you know now than when you started in this industry, right? And how you met people and how you built those relationships from being a business owner. It's amazing, right? As an entrepreneur to be able to get to these opportunities and who you never thought would happen. Happen. I got chills. Yeah, this, yeah. Is, some serious, this is some serious work. Information is transformation. Exactly, most definitely.
5: Tony Robbins had noticed the opportunity. He had invited me on his stage about two months ago. I spoke at business mastery 2023 for Tony Robbins. I was educating his audience on the program. We've had the biggest people in the world. Jump on board. Grant Cardone has joined in with us. Wow. to educate His people, uh, Ty Lopez.
0: It's big stuff. People come when they see that you have the cure for cancer in certain ways, Josh. Like I have a client who's, uh, a concussion doctor, and he's able to reverse concussions and CTE. And soon this is going to go mainstream. And I represent him, you know, as a, in PR marketing. And I literally am shocked every time I tell a story. And this is the same thing for you. You can save businesses that are in trouble, that need the money, want the money, the opportunity that they thought they couldn't have. And you're educating them and you're going out there and you're doing it. And that's the impressive part, Josh. You're saying, I'm not going to say no. I'm going to go to the biggest stages to tell the story. And I appreciate you coming on this stage today to come on the Neil Haley show in such a short period of time. I appreciate taking the time, Josh, your busy schedule.
5: Yeah, I love win, win, wins in life. There's very few things that are win, you know, win. You know, right now the NCAA tournament's going on. And unfortunately, each game, there's one winner and one loser. But with ERC, there really are only winners. Like we do this on contingency. We don't charge our clients anything until they actually get the money. We work for free for six to nine months, and we never charge these business owners every anything until they get their money. So it's an absolute win-win.
0: We appreciate it. Again, we have some superstars, former professional wrestler, myself, Damon's a former professional basketball player, and Josh is the man when it comes to entrepreneurship and saving people money and saving businesses, really transforming people in so many ways. Josh, we appreciate you coming by.
5: Happy St. Patty's day. Happy Friday and right. happy good weekend guys. Appreciate it guys. Listen
0: to the Neil Haley show and we'll be back and just we're back to the special simulcast of the Neil Haley show and the love is podcast. I'm excited to welcome the co-host Kim Sorrell, author of love is Kim. How are you? And I know you're excited about our guest.
6: I'm doing great. Thanks Neil. And I am so excited about our guest. Colin Ford was a model at four years old, started acting at five years old, has acted with people like Matt Damon and Reese Witherspoon, has been in so many things, uh, supernatural TV shows and movies and Under the Dome and We Bought a Zoo. And one of my grandkids' favorite things that he does is voices, and he's the voice of Jake in Jake and the Neverland Pirates, so multi-talented, and now in one Thousand Tomorrows playing the lead male Cody Gunner and welcome welcome Colin it's so great to have you here
3: oh my gosh so great to be here you know that's everybody's favorite is Jake Jake and the Neverland Pirates it's always Jake
6: (laughs) (laughs) Jake's a good one Jake's a good one so uh you're pretty angry in this show to start out with
3: Yeah, Cody's going through some stuff, especially in the first two episodes, which we've seen so far, you know, everybody, everybody's kind of wondering what's, what's, uh, what's this chip on Cody, Cody's shoulder. I think that that's thematically something that we go through um, throughout the whole story.
0: Wow. And then how is it playing an angry guy? Is that something you've done before?
3: Yeah, I've definitely played my fair share of angsty, you know, angry teenagers. Uh, a little bit older now, uh, as an adult bull rider. But look, I think you know, deep down, and all you know, everybody, we've all had angry times. We've all gone through something that ha- has left us feeling a little lost or hopeless. And I think that's kind of the spot that Cody's in right now when, when we meet him.
6: Yeah, it's so relatable because you're right. They're, they're, we've all gone through something, something somewhere along the way. And and with Cody, it's about his dad walking away. And right. uh, so, so many people have gone through that as well. Right. Yeah. Their dad just leaving. So what was that like for you?
3: You know, it's tough. You know, it's uh, a little bit different. My dad and I uh, have a good relationship. Um, so. Th- to tap into that, you know, we've had our own trials and tribulations as a family, Uh, but really to kind of step into Cody's shoes was something that, you know, I had to think about and um, kind of start to develop. You know, it was it was helpful that uh, the the gentleman Casey Clyde, who plays my father, was such a jerk. No, I'm just kidding. Casey is a wonderful guy. Um, So, yeah, when we got to kind of chit chat a little bit. We didn't get to uh, we didn't spend too much time together Uh, in the beginning because we kind of wanted to keep our distance to kind of develop that, you know, longing relationship loss, you know, between father and son, but, you know, overall like, look, it's, uh, you know, i played a character when I'm on set, but when you step off set, it's all smiles and, and good times. That,
0: that, that's for sure. And how do you place yourself into a character's role? Like thinking about specifically your character and understanding you talk about the anger, but also the issues he had to go through to feel like you become that character.
3: I think it's tough. I think you have to draw on, pers- I, I personally draw on personal experiences. You know, there's times when I've been angry at a buddy or, you know, had a, had a falling out that felt larger than life. And I think that those are the types of experiences you have to draw from and kind of remember how you felt at that time. And, uh, you know, you don't know it, you get that you're going to get through it most likely at the time. Uh, and it's kind of just figuring out that state of confusion and. Figuring out what to do next, you know, how do I go about this? Just one day at a time, and I think that's kind of the spot that Cody's at. He's just taking everything one day at a time, as to not be too overwhelmed.
6: Yeah, well, and faith plays, of course, a huge role in this. And uh, you grew up in Nashville, Tennessee, I believe, going to Christian school, and so faith has been a part of your life. What is it? What does that mean to you?
3: Yeah, no, it's look. I think that faith is a massive part of my life, and you know. It, if I'm thinking about even the time when I got the call, uh, the offer to do the job, uh, just the night before I kind of spent some time praying and, you know, wondering what was next for me and kind of feeling a a little bit misguided and, um, just prayed. And I asked God to kind of give me, give me a sign, give me some guidance on what I should do next. And I think, you know, 12 hours later, I got an email when I woke up, um, that I got this jar that I got the offer for the job. And so I started reading the script, reading the book. Uh, and I love, I love stories. I love you know interesting characters and heartfelt stories and Karen Kingsbury's book, uh, the novel, A Thousand Tomorrows really spoke to me. And after going through the script and seeing some of the additions and the, you know, the brotherhood aspect of everything, I just thought it was really appealing. And so um, I knew that it was, I knew that it was a sign. I knew it was the right thing to do next for me.
0: How excited are you, Colin, about the growth again of Christian films, Christian series now where it's really becoming a not just a, you know, people are talking about it a little bit like in these little groups. It's just growing so much. It's becoming huge uh, in this industry and it's got to be exciting for you, for sure. Yeah, I, think
3: it, I definitely think it is. You know, I, I'm really excited to see the Jesus Revolution film. Um, uh, you know, i I I even read for that film, so i'm I'm excited to to see what it turns out you know what it turned out to be like. I um, uh, look, I think that more and more now these types of stories are are starting to to do well because they're well done. and I think that uh, that's amazing. I think that it's finally time to kind of integrate um, you know hollywood with with faith. So I think it's awesome. <laughs>
6: Yeah, I think it's great too. I I love it, and Jesus Revolution is so good.
3: Yeah, I, I can't wait to see it. I'm I'm a huge fan of everyone involved, and uh, I think it's I think it's gonna be awesome. My buddy My buddy Garrett's seen it twice now, so
6: <laughs> and you would have been great in it.
3: Oh uh, but- no, Joel Courtney is a wonderful actor. I'm very happy uh, to see him in his moment. So very happy to see the film.
0: All right, so Colin, what do you think that, that people? you would like them to learn most about the series and say that they, they wanna get the most out of it. What is, What is your hope as an artist?
3: You know, I think it's an inspirational story. Um, it's about love and faith and sacrifice. Um, it, it taught me a, a lot while I was working on it. And I think that, I think overall, I think the biggest takeaway from the film is that, you know, sometimes Life can be overwhelming, especially when a million different things are happening all at once. But to just take everything day by day to lean on your faith and to lean on the love of of those around you.
6: Yeah, that's that's awesome. And I'm curious about your relationship with the actor who plays Carl Joseph, because on set, you guys look so comfortable together and like you are brothers. What is what's your relationship like off set?
3: I love Cole, Cole Sivas. He is an amazing human being. Uh, we just, we, he called me the other day and we chit chat on FaceTime a couple times a week. He's just, he's such a great, great guy. I think he's a wonderful young actor and uh, he steals, he steals the show. I mean, you, you've seen he, every, every time he steps on, on the camera, um, it's, it's a wonderful moment. It's just joy. And uh, I think that everybody can learn something through, through uh, from Carl Joseph, the character, but Cole just as much. He's a wonderful human being and I feel like I learned from him every day. So he taught me, he just brings so much love and life uh, to every room he's in. So it's a wonderful feeling.
0: And what did you feel as a, as a family filming this together? Meaning every, every one of the actors and how did it feel Feel being on set with them all and working together with them?
3: We just had a wonderful time. You know, we we we, we shot a pretty packed schedule um, all six episodes in, in about a month. Um, so, you know, we were, there was a lot of times where we were on set together, but also at different times I might finish before somebody else. And man, I'm telling you, I was headed to my pillow to preparing getting ready for the next day. Uh, it was a crazy schedule, but, in all the downtime that we had, we spent a lot of times on weekends together, going out to eat, um, doing fun things, uh, in, in Tulsa where we were shooting. So, we just had a great time.
6: Yeah, it, it, you gel well. Everybody seems to just really gel well and be perfect for the parts. Rose Reed is amazing. She does such a great job, and and the two of you together seem to have this chemistry. And I know it's acting, but holy cow, is it all acting?
3: <laughs> it definitely. Uh, is all acting. Um, we, but Rose and I are great friends. She's a wonderful, wonderful actress and human being. Um, we had a fantastic time working together. She's amazingly talented, and a lot of the uh, she's a fantastic horseback rider as well. A lot of the the horse uh, riding that you'll see in the show uh, is Rose. Um, so I think that that's incredible that she was able to lend um, her talents uh, outside of acting
0: on the screen. Well, awesome, Colin. Where's the best place people can follow you and find information on you? Where can they go?
3: Yeah, um, head over to my uh, Instagram, which is just my name, uh, C-O-L-I-N-F-O-R-D, Colin Ford.
0: And A thousands Tomorrows is available now on Pure Flix, so people check it out and check out the series, right, Colin?
3: That's right. That's right. New episodes on Fridays.
0: See, that's the best thing, new episodes on Fridays. We're going back to the old days where you, Colin, are used to binging everything. I was used to waiting to the next week to watch something.
3: You know, like, and I, I, so I think is like-